Hey everybody, I am so glad to be here with you. And actually it's just us today. The reason is, is that we are starting our Christmas series this year, which we're calling Christmas at the Movies. And it's simply where we're taking Christmas movies and we're extracting biblical truths from them. And so the problem with streaming that online is that movie clips that, the movie clips that we use are actually copyrighted, so we can't stream them to you. So it's just gonna be you and me today. And where I would normally play those clips, I'm gonna actually just talk you through them and kind of remind you of those. Because most of us have seen the Christmas movies that we're gonna be talking about during this series. So if you're ready, let's go ahead and get started with our declaration over the word. And so wherever you are, just say this with me, all right? I thank you, Father, that your word has the power to change my life. I am a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, and I will never be the same after today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I am very, very excited because today we start our new Christmas series and we're calling it Christmas at the Movies. And so what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be pulling biblical truths out of Christmas movies, modern stories and movies. And so as a filmmaker and a movie buff, I am constantly watching movies and, and seeing biblical truths, scriptural truths that are embedded into modern day stories. You might say, well, Mike, I mean, isn't that odd that we're using like the world's movies to, to teach godly truths or biblical truths? I mean, does, does that really make sense? Well, that's a great question. Let's look at it. Jesus actually was a storyteller. See, if you were around Jesus, he told stories all the time. One day he said, a man had two sons and the younger one took all dad's money and partied it away until he ran out of money. And then he came home and his dad welcomed him home, but his older brother didn't. It was, it was just a story. Uh, another day he was teaching and he said, hey, a guy was walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and he got robbed, beaten up, and a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan came walking by. They thought he was setting up a joke, right? A, pe a priest, Levi, and a Samaritan, you know, we're in a bar now. But here's the thing, is in the Bible 13, uh, in Matthew 13, says Jesus didn't, did not speak to them or did not say anything to them without a parable, without a story. And then Paul did the same thing. He used secular poets and philosophers. Um, and so I'm not gonna get too deep into this, but it actually fascinates me that Paul quotes pagan philosophers as well as even poets of their time or right before them. And so Acts 17, 28, Paul says, for in him, watch this, we live and move and exist. Even as some of our poets have said, for we also are his children. Well, both of these lines were actually written about Zeus in Greek literature, but Paul applied them to God. And then in 2 Corinthians 15, Paul says, do not be deceived. And then he says this, bad company corrupts good morals. This was an actual direct quote from a comic poet named Meander. And so he also, uh, Paul in Titus 1.12, he says, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. He actually quoted them in order to teach biblical truth. And so we could, Jesus did this all the time. Paul did this. And so that's what we're gonna be doing today during this and also during this season of Christmas at the Movies. So if you don't like Christmas movies, come back in January. We still love you. You're Ebenezer, but we still love you. <laughs> 
But this series is just going to last two weeks before Christmas Sunday, which is December the 19th. And then we're going to have our Christmas production. I'm so excited. We're going to tell the whole Christmas story, the real Christmas story, with music, dramatic narration. There's going to be a children's choir. There's going to be a candlelight, candle lighting with here with the congregation. And so I'm telling you, you want to be inviting people. So, so go ahead and think about now who you want to invite on December the 19th. But for today, the movie we're looking at is Home Alone. Now, Home Alone may have been actually based upon a biblical passage. Because if you're reading through Luke 2 and you stop at the Christmas story, you might miss out on the only time that we have recorded of Jesus's childhood. And here it is. Every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. They were good, law-abiding Jewish people. And after the festival uh, was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. They were unaware of it. Does that sound familiar? Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and their friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Kevin, (laughs) this is Home Alone. Wouldn't you like to see Home Alone, the prequel? Wouldn't that be great? Where Jesus at the temple throwing paint cans and dropping irons and releasing spiders onto the Pharisees. I think that would be amazing. In fact, I think that might be our next movie that we make. I mean, why not? Woe to you hypocrites, you teachers of the law, you filthy animals. Why not? I think so. I think we need to make that movie. But here's the thing, is that we, uh, when we think about Kevin and Home Alone, and we think about Jesus, I don't know that we actually put them in the same category. But we do have a lot to learn from Home Alone. If you remember in the beginning of the movie, the family are all going to go on an overseas trip. And so all the relatives come and spend the night at Kevin's, Kevin's house the night before. They all order pizza and Kevin only likes cheese pizza. So he's walking around the kitchen and he's looking for his cheese pizza. And then there next to the pizza box is Buzz, his older brother who is shoving the last piece of cheese pizza into his face. And so he tells little Kevin, hey, look, if you want that pizza, I can barf it up for you. And so Kevin starts a fight with his brother in the middle of the kitchen and drinks are spilling and everybody's running everywhere. And then the anger and animosity turn toward Kevin. His uncle yells at him, calls him a jerk. Everybody's staring at him. And then his cousin calls him a disease. His dad yells at him and then And, you know, we've all seen the movie, so we know what this actually does to Kevin and his relationship with his family. You see, Kevin let Buzz and all the family members, all the circumstances around him actually distract him from what was truly important in his own life. And a lot of times that's what happens to us is when we allow the circumstances uh, of life to distract us from what's important, it actually makes us reach for and hope for and wish for the wrong things sometimes. And in a way, you know, we all have, at least at some point, we've all had a buzz, you know, the older brother who, somebody in our family that maybe just torments us for no reason. And, and so being in a family, it can actually be very, very difficult. And so if you're feeling a little frustrated with your family, here's your verse for Christmas. 
Luke 14, when Jesus said to his host, when you're given a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends, brothers, sisters, or relatives. Now that's completely out of context, but just so you know, if you need scripture to get out of a family event, it's there, I'm, I'm here for you. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, our misguided hopes that we embrace or we go after, they can begin to define and set the course of our life if we're not careful. And some of the worst advice that we get sometimes, especially when we're distracted and frustrated is well-meaning people around us telling us, well, hey, if that's how you feel, follow your heart. And there's only one problem with that. And that is that Jeremiah, the prophet, he said this in chapter 17 of verse nine, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I think sometimes the worst advice that we ever get from people is simply follow your heart. And look, I know it sounds good. And I know, you know, I think I know what people are trying to say, but there is a problem with that. And the Bible says, and God says that our hearts and, and we experience too, that our hearts have an issue. And if we follow it, it's going to lead us to misguided hopes these distractions that have been thrown in front of us as a trap. And then out of circumstances, we begin to wish, we begin to make wishes out of reaction of what's going on in our heart. And if you remember, after that big fiasco in the kitchen, Kevin's mom, she grabs him by the arm, she drags him upstairs to the attic, scolding him the whole way. And at that point, Kevin, he, he backs up and tries to give her a fake apology, but it's too late. She sends him up to the attic, grounded to the attic. And so Kevin declares that everybody in the family hates him and his mom suggests, well, maybe you should ask Santa for a brand new family. And he says, no, I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. But he, see, he doesn't wanna see his family again for the rest of his life, he says. So his mom hurt says, well, you'd be, you'd be pretty upset if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. And so Kevin thinks about it for a second. And then he says again, no, I hope I'd never see you again. And he stomps upstairs and, and begins to sulk. You know, and we've all been in Kevin's shoes at some point where we've been in a place where we feel like everybody's against us and we're frustrated, we're angry. And, and a lot of times it can lead us to places of despair as well. Because when you get to a place like that, a lot of times we begin to hope for the wrong things out of reaction. Because what Kevin really hoped for was relief from the inf of the situation, but he interpreted that as I don't need or want my family. And so as human beings, sometimes one of the problems that we have is that our hopes are based upon reaction and distraction. And so we hope for things that are misguided sometimes. And that happens to us all sometimes when we're distracted that we all sometimes have misguided hopes. We all have things, you know, hopes that are maybe harmful to us, that are reactionary to what's going on around us. We have some hopes in our lives that may, you know, they may satisfy for the moment, but they're not actually going to bring lasting joy to us. We have hopes that when, when we, you know, we think when they come to pass that they're gonna relieve us from the situation, that it's gonna, it's gonna make everything better. We all have hopes that, you know, if this thing happens or that thing comes to pass, then now we can finally have joy about, uh, you know, the things that are missing in our lives. 
But a lot of times those things, they're misguided, they're distractions. See, Kevin's misguided hopes that came out of his reaction to the circumstances that created this distraction for what, from what was true and what was valuable in his life, his family, it's actually the whole plot of the movie. And it sets the stage for the rest of the movie. It sets the stage for what is going to happen in Kevin's life in the next few days. And because of Kevin's circumstances, he was actually distracted from the value of his own family. Now, we've got to make sure that not only God, but our family is a priority this Christmas. Don't take your family for granted. It's easy to do. Make sure that the people that are supposed to be around you are actually around you. I mean, there are so many distractions during this Christmas season that we have to make sure that our family is priority. And this whole idea draws us back to the first Christmas in Bethlehem where there were, you know, there were shepherds and animals and angels and all the traditional things that are in, that the Bible tells us, but there were certain things that were missing, certain people that were missing, distracted. Most of us know the story of the first Christmas. I mean, Mary, you know, she was pregnant. Joseph is with her and Joseph has to go to his hometown, Bethlehem, because there's a census. And so then in Luke 2, 7, while they were there, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, the, the King James says no room in the inn, but that word inn is actually better translated like this translation, guest room. So what would happen is that you're going back to your birthplace where your family's from. So you would stay in a guest room with your family. It was a very busy time. Everybody was there. All the family was there because of the census. And it was just like Christmas. Everybody was there. It was crazy. It was chaotic. It was busy. And so this was Joseph's hometown. And what he would normally do is stay with relatives whenever he went back to his hometown. But there's no room for them. There's a lot of speculation as to why, but the most popular guess is that Mary was unwed. They weren't actually married yet and she was pregnant. And so there were family members that should have been there at the birth of Jesus, but probably not because of offenses and possibly embarrassment to the family that, the, the, that Joseph's family were not there. And there were other people that should have made this first Christmas a priority as well. Because actually 700 years earlier, the prophet Micah in Micah 5 uh, prophesies or prophesied, and he said exactly where he would be born. But you, Bethlehem, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. So here's the thing, is that all of the religious leaders, all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they all knew this prophecy, that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so you would think that Bethlehem would be like significant then, right? And if the Bible said that Jesus, you know, if, if the Bible said the Messiah was gonna be born like in Nightdale, don't you think we would all, you know, we would all be watching Nightdale really close? Wouldn't there be like a welcome Messiah banner somewhere in Nightdale? Or may, somebody would open up a holy Messiah gift shop there. Somebody would have marketed that, right? And, I mean, they would have had a Ferris wheel or, I mean, there would have been something. But here, nobody seemed to care. I mean, even the religious leaders didn't seem to care. 
And so, you know, you might be like, well, Bethlehem must have been far away. Well, this is what's crazy is you could stand in the city of Jerusalem and see Bethlehem. It was only five miles away and cities were up on hills and you could see it from Jerusalem. That's how close it would be. It couldn't have been more than just a couple hours walk over to where the Messiah was to be born. And the religious leaders didn't even bother to go. Why? Well, there was stuff going on. There was a census. Everybody was busy. You know, they were distracted. They should have been there. And so home alone or first Christmas, either way, the biggest tool that the enemy uses this time of the year is distraction from our true priorities. And look, that's not just with Christmas. That's actually any time of the year. And so this is the point that I want to make today is that the enemy will use good things in our lives many times to distract us from the right things. I'm gonna say that again. The enemy will use good things to distract us from the right things. And the enemy found out a long time that if, that if he came at us head on, it's not gonna be as good as this, this distraction or being flanked by distraction in our life. For example, we just got out of the series talking about, you know, loving each other and drinking poison, drinking, not drinking poison. And we found out that the enemy can use good things to distract us from the right things, which is loving each other so that the world knows we're his disciples, that we carry the truth, the gospel. Another example is now at Christmas. You know what, being generous and giving, that's a good thing. And we should do that. But we cannot let that distract us from the true meaning of Christmas and the things that are truly important. And look, I mean, we don't get distracted on purpose. I mean, you know, we got to take this trip. We got to get this shopping done. We've got we to put up the lights. There's Black Friday, Cyber Monday. There's all these things and all these parties. And that's what the evil one uses to actually make us lose, lose focus on what Christmas is actually supposed to be about in the first place. All those are good things. We put out the manger scene and the tree and the, all the decorations and then bam, 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 Christmas is over. And so this is what we're heading into or in the middle of right now. And if we're not careful, Jesus can be pushed aside. Family can be pushed aside. And that's what happened at the very first Christmas. That's why in Matthew 6.33, it says, seek first his kingdom, keep that first as your priority and his righteousness, keep that as your priority. And then all these things will be given to you as well. So what this verse is doing is it's pointing out like all these good things, whatever all, you know, all these things, those are not bad things. Those are good things. But the enemy will use good things to distract you from the right thing. And so home alone is not about the religious side of Christmas at all. Okay. It is about literally not basing our hopes on reactions and being, distract, being distracted, but instead, instead prioritizing the right things in our life. But I wanna tell you, they're the same thing. Wherever, whatever the priorities are in your life, sometimes they tend to get messed up at Christmas time just because of all the distractions and the busyness. And we have to make sure that we keep the priority thing, the priority thing. And that is that the entire reason for Christmas is Jesus. And he has given us our families. And the only way to actually find true happiness is when our heart is following him 
our heart is in line with his heart, that we could follow after him because we have given him control of our life and he is guiding us. And so a lot of times we're really good at following after our own hearts, our own desires, our own needs, you know, our own wants. We're actually amazing at pursuing our own distractions and pursuing the thing that we want to pursue. We often fail to actually remember that if you are a Jesus follower, you see, God has put his Holy Spirit on the inside of us and, and he guides us and he equips us and we have to trust him and lean on him and he will keep us from going off and following these distractions that are laid out before us. But sometimes if you do follow your distractions, I mean, there can be a moment of bliss for just a second. Like what happened with Kevin, you know, joy comes because what he was wishing for and hoping for, that it actually happened. He, and his family disappeared. He didn't have to worry about buzz anymore. He was excited that his family had disappeared for a moment. It was misguided. He thought he had it made, but then he found out that his misguided hopes, they come with a cost. So he goes to bed and, you know, he pulls out a picture of his family. He misses them. He apologizes to the picture, you know, letting them know he didn't mean it. He kisses the picture. He puts it under his pillow, turns off the light and all by himself, he goes to sleep lonely. And then later he finds a Santa and he asks him, look, hey, instead of presents this year, all I want is my family back. And then as he walks home, he, he peeks through the window of a neighbor family enjoying their Christmas together. And he feels, he, he feels that hole in his heart. And so Kevin discovers that pursuing, you know, misguided hopes because we were distracted about what the important things are in life are, that comes with a cost and it can bring unexpected pain. The reality of his hopes coming true began to bring some pain in his life. You know, he had to, re he realized he has to grow up and he's got to take care of himself. He, food doesn't just appear. Uh, it does, he's got to go to the grocery store and he has to fight off the bad guys, you know, and he begins to realize that loneliness is setting in. Even though he, uh, you know, he didn't enjoy the company of his family. Once they're gone, he misses them. And there are a lot of people that are experiencing home alone Christmas this year, simply because of pride between two people maybe two families. But the question that I have for us is, is there somebody that we should call? Is there something going on inside of us that is going to give us a home alone Christmas this year? You know, it happened the first Christmas, it may be happening to you. It's a very important statement from the movie. You know, and maybe being at church today is the exact thing that you need to remind you about something that you need to get right, maybe with your heavenly father, or maybe it's something that you need to get right with your earthly family. It's so easy to be distracted by the good gifts that God has given us, especially during the holiday season. It's easy to let our pride getting in, get in our way you know, and not ask for forgiveness or giving forgiveness during this time when we should all be giving. You see, he's the Prince of Peace. It's what the angels sang in Luke 2, 14. It says, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those who God is pleased. So what he wants in your life is peace, peace on earth. That's what he came to give us. And I'll show you what it looks like at the end of the movie. It's such a great movie because it does. It brings up some great issues uh, and it obviously resolves them in a, in a very Christmassy, Christmas movie kind of way. 
But there's this beautiful scene where everybody's reunited. And at the end of the movie, Kevin, he hears something and he runs down the stairs to find his mom there. And she's not angry. She's not mad. She tells him Merry Christmas and Kevin runs into his mom's arm. And as he, as he hugs her, the whole family busts into the house and they're showering with hugs and kisses. And even big brother Buzz gives him a compliment for not burning the house down. It truly is a storybook Christmas movie ending. And so I have to ask, what is your Christmas look like this year? Are your priorities in line this Christmas with all the hustle and the bustle and the, and the distractions? Are we prioritizing the real reason that we even have Christmas and the people that are close to us? Are they more important than the lights and the presents and the parties? Or are we being reactive? Or what about your hopes? Are your hopes for this Christmas season, are they misguided like Kevin's? Are there things that we're wishing for, that we're hoping for, that we haven't checked with our Heavenly Father on? Or maybe you know He's not gonna be pleased with some of your hopes. And then also this Christmas season, have we swallowed our pride? You know, we just got out of this drinking poison series and maybe there's somebody in your, in, in your heart or your family or friends, you know, that have been poisoned by a fence or maybe you have. What's keeping you from the people that you love? What would it be like if we got all our priorities in line, all of our hopes lined up with God's priorities for our life, and we laid our pride down to have an amazing and wonderful Christmas? And not to forget that Christmas is not just about us, that the world is actually watching. They're watching how we treat each other, how we treat Christmas. Is it something that's holy and special? Or is it just another consumer holiday? And are we loving? Do we prioritize each other? They're gonna see that. Are our hopes in line with God's will? They will see that. Have we laid down pride to embrace each other? They're gonna see that. And if they can see the love between us, then they will be able to hear the truth of God's love and His forgiveness. And for some of you, maybe you don't know God's love and His forgiveness yet. I just wanna let you know that just like Kevin's mom, God's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He loves you and He has a plan for your life. The problem is always that our sin separates us from God. And that's why Jesus was not only born as a child, as our savior, but he also let men nail him to a cross. And he died and paid for the sins that, that we have so that we wouldn't be separated from him. So today, I just wanna give you an opportunity to follow him. If you will claim him as your savior and you will give your life over to him, and turn away from the wrong things that are in your life and give your life over to Him, the Bible says that you can have eternal life and you can have a relationship with Him as well. So if that's you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. And this prayer is simply your commitment to give your life to God and to take on His life. So pray with me. Father, I believe that your son Jesus died on that cross for my sin. And Jesus, I claim you as my savior. And I just ask you that as I give you my life, take it, make me whole in every area. 
I turn from every wrong in my life and I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.